The older we get, the more we reflect on decisions we have made and will make. When we look back, we often learn from the experiences that happened because of decisions. Sometimes we did what was good and right. Other times, we didn't because we wanted our way. Unfortunately, when we got our way, it wasn't exactly what we wanted either. The contentment we thought we would find ultimately couldn't be found there. In that moment, we needed God's mercy to set us straight and give us another chance. In this episode of Groundwork, we'll learn from Jonah who made a decision that put him in a tough situation and a merciful God who spared him from the consequences he deserved. We'll also look at how Christ shows up, yes, Christ, in this passage. Stay tuned. Welcome to Groundwork, where we dig into scripture to lay the foundation for our lives. I'm Scott Jose. And I'm Daryl Delaney. And Scott, we are in a series on the book of Jonah. This is the second of a four-part series. And we have found that Jonah has been a very interesting book thus far. There's nothing that has been left to the stretch of the imagination. And we have found Jonah getting himself into a little bit of trouble. We noted in the um, in the first program, Daryl, that of the 12 minor prophets, as we call them, minor just because they're shorter than Isaiah yeah. and Jeremiah, Jonah stands out because it's a story and not just a, a series of prophecies like you would find in Amos. And Jonah also stands out because his words were not addressed to Israel, but he was told to go to Nineveh, a city, maybe a Babylonian city, but it wasn't Israel. And so we, we said that was unusual. But then the other thing we noted uh, that was unusual is that basically in the other prophetic books, when God tells a prophet, go, they go. When God tells a prophet, speak, they speak. But God tells Jonah to go and to speak, and Jonah says, no, no, (laughs) no. He literally goes the opposite direction and tries to run away from God. So we saw that in chapter one, tries to run away from God on a ship. God sends a storm, and the sailors eventually figure out that Jonah's the problem. And Jonah said, if you want to save your lives, you got to toss me in the drink. So they do. They toss him over, but they don't want to. The, the sailors, they weren't godly, God-fearing Yahweh worshipers, but they were good men. So they did. They threw him uh, into, the, uh, into the sea. And the last thing we read uh, from the end of chapter 1 was that God sent a great fish to swallow Jonah. If you think about this, it's kind of strange to think, okay— A grown man was swallowed by a giant fish. Every Sunday school lesson just kind of moves on from that point. But we need to think about that because I don't think anybody could live for three days in the belly of a fish. I don't think you can live for five minutes in the belly of a fish. There's no air. So I think what we can say is uh, we very much believe that Jonah is a true historical story. We very much believe he did go and preach to the Ninevites and everything that we've read. He tried to run away, I think. But here uh, in Jonah 2, we get a little bit of a a fanciful element thrown in. Yeah, a little fantastical element, which allows the narrative to do what it's going to do, which is a psalm that Jonah somehow composes while he's sinking into the sea. Uh, And so it's a good literary device to have Jonah hit the pause button long enough to, you know, talk to God now, now that God has, he's not escaped God, so now he's got to talk to God. And in this situation, it pretty much seems like Jonah has hit rock bottom. So as we pick up in chapter two, we read the whole chapter, there's only 10 verses in it. It says, from the inside of the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into to the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the current swirled about me. 
All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep waters surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. And here's the last verse. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. So, the great fish, whatever kind of a sea creature this was supposed to be, for Jonah, uh, this wasn't the punishment. This was the salvation. The fish yes. is what saved his life, right? Uh, and from the sounds of it, he sank for a while. Uh, if he's got seaweed around his head, sinking to the roots of the mountain, the fish is what saved him. So he's grateful for the fish. So that, that's the first thing to notice. The fish yes. wasn't part of the punishment. The fish was the salvation. Jonah pretty much got himself into a situation that he could not fix himself. And so God had to intervene to save Jonah from his own consequences, if you will. This situation should be similar. It should be familiar to us for someone who comes to their senses mm. and then goes back and makes it right. It reminds me of Luke 15 of the parable of the lost son, where he says, oh, no, I'm going to come to myself. He's out there with the pigs. He's squandered his life inheritance. He's out in the situation far from home. And he comes to himself and says, I got to come back. I got to go back to my father. I got to repent. And that's exactly what's happening in the belly of the fish with Jonah. Exactly. And, you know, it's interesting. I mean, you wouldn't expect uh, sinking through the sea or uh, being in a fish to be a place where you'd write a poem. <laughs> but, or sing uh, a song. Yeah. But this is what Jonah does. And even though Jonah maybe made this up, he may also have been remembering, because this week, Daryl, as we were getting ready to do this episode, I had occasion to study Psalm 116. And Psalm 116 sounds a lot like Jonah 2. Psalm 116 begins, I love the Lord, for he heard my, my cry. God. He heard my cry for mercy. The cords of death entangled me. The anguish of the grave came over me. I was overwhelmed, and then I called on the name of the Lord. Lord, save me. So there's a lot of resemblance to Psalm yes. 116 here and to other Psalms as well. But uh, the point is, Jonah uh, really doesn't deserve the mercy of God. I mean, he he deserved to you know to be punished. He, he disobeyed God. He tried to run away from God. He ignored God's command on his life, and yet God has been merciful by sending um, this fish. And again, the fish is the source of uh, his deliverance. We should also note, Daryl, that Jonah two verse nine, the last part, is the dead center of the book of Jonah. This is the exact midpoint in terms of words and verses. And it is where Jonah says, salvation comes from the Lord. That's the dead literary center of Jonah, and it's the dead theological center of Jonah. That's the message of this book. Salvation comes from the Lord. And because salvation comes from the Lord, we too can cry out to God in our deep places as well. Right. Metaphorically speaking, if we feel that we're hitting a rock bottom place, even if it's a situation of our own demise, of our own doing, we still have a God who wants to hear from us. If that pain is inflicted, he still wants to know. He wants us to pray to him and talk to him. And we want to talk about that where mercy comes in and when we get into this next segment. So stay tuned.
What does it mean to be a Christian and a fan of movies, music, television, and video games? I'm Josh Larson, editor of thinkchristian.net and host of the Think Christian podcast. I invite you to join us for faith-filled reflections on pop culture. Visit us at thinkchristian.net or search for the Think Christian podcast, where we'll be talking about what it means to be a follower of Christ, even in the playful moments of our lives. Welcome to Groundwork, where we dig into scripture to lay the foundation for our lives. I'm Scott Jose. And I'm Daryl Delaney. We are in a series, a four-part series, corresponding to the four chapters of the book of Jonah. And we're in the uh, second chapter here. And by the time we get to the end of uh, the second chapter, we are, Daryl, at the exact midpoint of the story, the midpoint of the book. And so we've talked about uh, Jonah sinking down and despairing of his life, seaweed wrapped around his head, sinking down to the roots of the mountains, and how the fish is actually what delivers him. He's thankful for the fish. The fish isn't the punishment. The fish is the vehicle, literally, of salvation. But there's some other stuff that we can think about here, too. Yeah, so I was thinking about how the deep sea in Old Testament culture and Hebrew culture, Mm -hmm. it represents the dead place. It is... Sheol, it is hell, it is the grave. And the last place you want to go is deep down in the sea where the sea creatures live. And so that's why this book, when it talks about his descent, he literally goes from wherever God called him from. He's fleeing to Tarshish, he's going to Joppa, he's going down, down, down. And he literally goes further down, down into the depths. And the ones that did not believe in God did not even want to throw him over because they realized, oh, no one comes back from that. And so the fact that he is literally in the descent in the situation where he is moving away from God and the fact that that's the dead place is a real desolate situation for Jonah. Exactly. We need to remember the uh, the cosmology, if you will, the, the worldview of the ancient Israelites. They pretty much believed the earth was flat and that there was this dome of the firmament over top of it. That's where the sky was and the stars, and that was the realm of God. But so there were waters over the earth yes. that the firmament kept out, and there were the waters under the earth, and that was the place of death. That's where God wasn't. Right. So when you sank down, you were moving farther, farther away from God. from God, farther away from the firmament above into the waters below, the waters beneath the earth. And as you said, Daryl, that is the place of Sheol. Some while ago on Groundwork, we did a series uh, in which we touched on uh, how views of the afterlife changed in different parts of the Bible. Um, we tend to think of heaven or hell. But the Israelites believed that everybody kind of went to Sheol. Mm-hmm. It was sort of this grim holding tank. Holding pattern. Uh, and it wasn't a pleasant place. It wasn't hell, but it wasn't a pleasant place. And it wasn't a place from which they thought they could praise God. Anyway, Jonah feels like he is sinking down to that. And the only way he's going to get out of that, and not to get too far ahead of ourselves in this uh, episode, but when you were talking just a minute ago, Daryl, this is kind of a resurrection story. Oh, jo- yes. Jonah is all by all rights dead. Yes. So if he's gonna if he's gonna live, it's only because of the mercy of God, not the grace of God in this case, but the mercy of God. And mercy is the theme I believe that shines brightly in this book, Scott. Mercy is when you don't get what you do deserve. <laughs> grace is when you get when you don't deserve, which is good. And but mercy is when you don't get what you do deserve because he did everything the opposite of what God wanted him to do. And yet God still intervenes in this situation to literally bring him back from the dead. 
And so I think that there are New Testament, there's echoes of this all over the place. But in the New Testament, this specific passage in Ephesians chapter two talks about this when Paul is writing to Timothy at the church of Ephesus. He says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air. The spirit who is now at work in those who were disobedient. All of us who lived, lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. So you see, Scott, like the fact that God is rich in mercy is the reason why he rescues Jonah and why he sends the fish in the first place. Because he has a plan that he wants to save these Ninevites for whatever reason in his good purpose. But he wants to show mercy to Ninevites. And he also wants to show mercy to Jonah, but he also wants to show it to us. Exactly. You were dead, Paul wrote to the Mm -hmm. Ephesians. And you could say the same thing to Jonah. You were dead. You were as good as dead. You were sinking down to the grave, to Sheol, to the depths, the roots of the mountains. Now, though, if you're going to be alive, it is because God is merciful. And again, uh, verse uh, 9, the dead center of the book, salvation comes from the Lord. And that's going to be true for Jonah now. Ironic that Jonah, who didn't want to preach a message of salvation to the Ninevites. <laughs> now that he needs it, he's perfectly willing to call out to God and say, hey, help me. Hello, help. As you said, Daryl, God could have very well said, no. <laughs> right. uh, sink on down, pal. This is what you deserve. You got yourself into this jam. I don't really have to get you out of it, but I'm going to anyway because I am merciful. And so God did that and sent the fish, saved Jonah, you know, and, and then, of course, we're going to see in the next chapter that he reboots. Uh, he reboots the story yeah. and, and starts it over and sends him back to preach. You know, it's sort of a, a reminder of another verse in the New Testament, Romans 10, verse 11. Anyone who believes in God will never be put to shame. And there's no difference between the Jew and the Gentile. The same Lord is the Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Verse 13, that's what Jonah did. And then this part also applies to Jonah. How can they call on the one they haven't believed in? And how they can believe in the one that they haven't heard? And how can they hear unless someone preaches to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And for Nineveh, as we're going to see in the next program of the series, uh, Jonah is going to be those beautiful feet to bring a message of salvation to Nineveh. That is a wonderful point because no matter how many faults and flaws Jonah has, God still wants to use him to be those beautiful feet to bring the message of salvation that he just sang about in the belly of this fish. And I love the fact that God doesn't just want to use Jonah. And he doesn't want to cast aside those who have faults and flaws, but he uses a liar 
named Abraham. <laughs> he uses a murderer named Moses. He uses a prostitute named Rahab. Anybody who has these faults and flaws, they do not necessarily have to disqualify you to disqualify you from God's merciful plans to save and deliver people. And so it's really exciting to see what God would do in his mercy. If we obey his promptings, that's one thing. But when we don't obey his promptings, we are desperate need of his mercy. That's exactly right. And, you know, one of the things I think you just sort of went through a list of some biblical characters, the Bible is always honest about its main characters. They are people with flaws. Yes. And we're going to talk about that with Jonah a little bit in the next program, too. But the one thing that we always need to remember, and the one thing Jonah needed to remember, you know, Jonah, you were going to find out, didn't think the Ninevites deserved salvation. Ah, yes. Well, Jonah, guess what? Neither did you, right? I mean, look in the mirror. Uh, look in the mirror. You don't deserve it either. I don't deserve it. You don't deserve it, Daryl. None of us deserve it. We only get it because God is rich in mercy, and again, salvation comes from the Lord. So that's the action here in Jonah 2. But as we close out this uh, program, we're going to talk a little bit about what that means for our lives today. So stay tuned. We're glad you've joined our Groundwork Conversation. If you're enjoying today's discussion and want to download or listen again, you can find the audio podcast and transcript for this episode on our website, groundworkonline.com. Want to dig deeper? You can also find episode guides and blogs available to supplement your study. Curious about another episode or series we've mentioned? Search our episode library to find hundreds of conversations about God's Word and what it means for God's people today. Add your voice to our Groundwork conversation by visiting groundworkonline.com. And thank you. Support from listeners like you makes Groundwork possible. I'm Daryl Delaney with Scott Jose, and you're listening to Groundwork. And we are in the second chapter of Jonah, four-part series for the four chapters. So, uh, Daryl, we're going to kind of get to the the, the, the the so what part of this. So we, we've seen that Jonah got what he a mercy he didn't deserve, but that he did ask for <laughs> once he was in extremis, once he was uh, sinking down into the grave. By all rights, he was dead. God saves him anyway. And this is the message of this second chapter of Jonah. And we can kind of think about how it applies to us today as well. One of the things that's important, Scott, is that no matter what's going on in your life, it's always a convenient time to pray hmm. and ask God for help in any circumstance. I mean, Jonah does his prayer in the belly of a fish. Maybe you don't want to wait until situations get dire or emergent for you, but whether you're in a mountain high or a valley low, please continue your conversation in prayer with God. I mean, the book of James reminds us that if any one of you is in trouble, he or she should pray. And the Bible specifically says in Psalm 46 that God is our ever-present help, especially in times of trouble. So we should remember that it's okay to talk to God in any circumstance, prayer, praise, singing, it should apply to everyday life of a Christian. And if there's one thing the Bible makes clear, times of, of, of suffering, times of crisis, times when we feel like, as Jonah says in chapter two here, that the cords of death are entangling us, you know, that we, we feel like we are sinking down. In Jonah's case, uh, it was his own fault. It isn't always our fault, but those times don't mean God is absent, right? right. Uh, that's why the Psalms of lament are there. If God feels absent, Tell God that you feel like he's not there. You can yell at him a little bit even, you know, and just, you know, beg for mercy uh, and he and he will give it. Because as um, we've been pointing out, uh, mercy is God's thing. 
right? Uh, mercy is, is God's specialty. It's a gift we don't deserve, but it's a gift God seems eager uh, to give to us again and again whenever we need it and whenever uh, we ask for it. And because of our flaws, faults, and imperfections, we desperately need his mercy. There's no way we could get his mission done. There's no way we could serve God with any level of consistency without his mercy to give us another chance. <laughs> because we readily deserve those things. When we sin, when we mess up, we deserve the consequences that we right. get, we're supposed to get. As a good judge, he's holy. We deserve it. But because he's merciful, he gives us another chance. I think it's also important to remember that God's character is something that can help encourage you in times of trouble. The fact that God has never changed, that he is not going to change. The consistency of his character should definitely encourage us. We sing this old song. We come this far by faith, leaning on the Lord, trusting in his holy word. He's never failed me yet. And the fact that God is who he says he is, that he changes not, his compassions fail not, and he is who he says he is all the time, can encourage us when we feel wavery, when we feel like we're not sure, when we don't think we're going to make it. Having a time to remember and count those blessings, I think, will be encouraging. And one other thing we can point out, a note of realism. Actions have consequences. Yeah. And for us, too. I mean, Jonah's actions are what led to the situation he was in. Our choices, even as Christians, can have repercussions. Uh, actions have consequences. If we ignore our prayer life, if we ignore God's word, we don't immerse ourselves in the word of God, uh, we allow ourselves to wander in some areas of our life, sort of bracket them out from our, yeah. our, our faith, well, that's going to catch up with us eventually. Uh, that doesn't mean God's going to you know, cut you off. It doesn't mean you're going to hell. It doesn't, you know, that ultimate consequences. God will come back. But, you know, when we as Jonah did, when we choose to turn away from God, and it may not be as active uh, and obvious a choice as Jonah, but, you know, when we know the right thing to do and consistently don't do it right. in the same situation over and over, it's going to catch up with us. You know, it reminds me of uh, that old story, Rip Van Winkle, in the early part of the story. I mean, he, he would drink too much. And every time he would down a shot of whiskey or, or drink a beer, he'll, he'd say, we won't count this one. But the narrator basically says, somebody's always counting. Yeah. <laughs> they all count, right? You know, we have to recognize that God won't leave us just because we've made bad choices, but we need to come back to God. And if we want his mercy, then we need to respond to that mercy in an appropriate way, too. That's a very good point, Scott. I think that another point that I had is that Jesus Christ specifically alluded to this passage when he was talking about himself in Matthew chapter 12. Reading verse 38, it says that some of the Pharisees and teachers of the law said to him, teacher, we want to see a sign from you. And he answered, a wicked and adulterous generation asked for a sign, but none will be given except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish. So the son of man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. There's those threes again. Right. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with his generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and now something greater than Jonah is here. So you see in this verse, specifically verse 40, Jesus references how long he was, Jonah was in the fish, three days and three nights. We didn't get that in the, in the book of Jonah. Well, we got it in Jesus' interpretation of what happened. He also references it as 
proof of his death, burial, and resurrection. So now it's a redemptive messianic text. It wasn't normally that before, but when Jesus redacts it, it now helps us remember what his person and work are like. Exactly. That's what we said earlier. Uh, and I never, you know, I, I never for a long time, I didn't understand Jesus' reply here, like the sign of Jonah. What's that? But now I think I do have an understanding. And we said it earlier in this episode, Daryl. This is a resurrection story. Uh, Jonah was dead. Uh, by all rights, he was dead and he was sinking to the dead. And if he was going to live, it was only going to be because of the mercy and the power of God. And so also Jesus, he died. He really, truly died died for our sins in this case. And if Jesus was going to have a future after three days in in the tomb, then it was only going to be because of the mercy and the power of God who raised him to new life, not just for Jesus, but of course, now for all of us. Again, tying back to that salvation that comes from the Lord line, which is the center of the book. So we see that it's redemptive and it's messianic And it's a merciful God who continues to intervene in our lives again and again, even though we sometimes make mistakes. We learn that from the book of Jonah and we see an encouragement. Thanks be to God. Well, thank you for listening and digging deeply into Scripture with Groundwork. We hope you'll join us again next time as we study Jonah's message and the Ninevites' response in Jonah chapter 3. Connect with us now at groundworkonline.com to share what Groundwork means to you or tell us what you'd like to hear discussed next on Groundwork. Groundwork is a listener-supported program produced by Reframe Ministries. Visit ReframeMinistries.org for more information and to find more resources to encourage your faith. We're your hosts, Daryl Delaney with Scott Jose. Our recording engineer is Dodd Morris, and our post-production supervisor is John Reeder. Our senior producer is Courtney Jacobs.